Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. For those of you who don't know, like Tyler said, my name is Michael and I am part of the team here at Life Changes. And I have the absolute privilege of preaching tonight uh, because Mark and Gabe are away. And uh, you may uh, look at their social media feed and you are they really working? And they assured me I'm supposed to tell you guys that they are. Um, it's in my contract. Um, But anyway, I promise they are. Um, But we are in an exciting season at the church. We are planting a church in the city. Can I get a whoop whoop? There we go. And we are at a season in uh, in our church where in a in a mission statement, in a theme, we want to say that we are breaking camp as a church. And that is both corporately as a church, but also on an individual in our lives. And we've been looking at the story of Deuteronomy 1, uh, where the Israelites had been freed from Egypt and freed from slavery by God. And Moses is looking back and going through the uh, going through the journey, and uh, what he says is that they had been freed from Egypt, and they f- followed God, and they saw miracles in their midst. They saw manna come down. They saw a pillar of smoke and a pillar of a cloud of smoke and a pillar of fire. They saw waters parted by God, freed from this uh, slavery from Egypt. But then they go on this journey, and uh, we see in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy one where God says to them. It is time to break camp and take possession of the land that I have for you. And then we think that the story is going to be complete. What they're going to do is they're going to listen to God. God obviously spoke to them. And they are going to break camp and take possession of a land flowing with milk and honey, with humongous fruit, and just with a land that is luscious and fruitful. But we see that this isn't uh, how it goes that um, the story is actually quite a tragic story of the Israelite nation not obeying the promises that God had for them. And what they do is that they uh, do something that God didn't intend for them, is that they send out spies into this land. They say, okay, what we are going to do is let's get a group of guys, and we are going to send them out just to check that everything is all right. I think so many times that we do that in our natural life, when God speaks, we start making plans of our own. And we say, okay, but uh, I need to check that this thing is all right. And I need to check maybe that this financial situation is okay in my life. Or I need to check that my family will be all right. So what they do is they send out spies. And you think that the report is going to be a great one. God said to them, take possession of this land. It was really clear. This is going to be a great land. And they come back and they say, guys, this land is fantastic. It really is everything that God has for us. It's flowing with milk and honey. It is luscious. It is beautiful. The fruit are humongous. But there are giants in the land. There are enemies in the land. And what they start doing is they start looking at these circumstances. They start looking at the opposition. And the opposition becomes greater and greater. They start looking at these enemies and they seem like giants. And they refer to themselves as grasshoppers. But see, they stopped trusting in a God who literally parted waters, who is greater than anyone that they could face. And they started looking at these challenges, and the challenges became bigger than the God that they served. And we see this Israelite nation is that when God called them to break camp, they stayed in comfort, and they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years, um, being provided for by manna. But those, uh, those favors from God were so much smaller than the inheritance that he had for them, actually. 
And we see this story, and it's quite, it's quite a tragic story. But I want to say is we feel in this, um, in this season as a church, will we be a people of faith and break camp and step out in faith to the inheritance and the more that God has for us? See, when we're breaking camp and when we're planting a church in the city, it's not just as a church that we do that, but it's the body of Christ. And in uh, our individual lives, we do that day by day so that people can see the glory of God and people can see the faithfulness of God in our lives, in, at work in our lives. So I want to look at this uh, story, but I'm actually going to look at the character of Isaac tonight. And we believe that um, these stories aren't just uh, made up words, aren't just um, imaginative uh, stories in the Bible, that they're real people with real life stories that God used for a specific purpose and for a specific plan, and also to show us His glory and His faithfulness. So what I'm going to ask is, can we stand as a church tonight. We're going to read some scripture, and we believe that we're not just uh, spectators here in church. We're participators in the Word. So we're going to read a bit of scripture, and it's a, a, a big chunk. So I'm going to ask you to focus. Stay with me. But uh, I believe that God's got something for us tonight. So we're going to read from Genesis 26, looking at two parts of the chapter. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands. I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And then in verse 14, it says, He had so many flocks, this is speaking about Isaac now, and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped them up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Esek because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went to Bathsheba, that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase your, the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Uzath, his personal advisor, and Fickle, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked them, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, 
we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you. Let's pray tonight. Father, I pray that you have your way this evening. I pray that you speak to us again, Lord. I pray that we will be a people that will dig new wells, Lord. That you will speak to us and we will step out in faith. Open up our hearts, Lord, to receive your word. I pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Awesome. Won't you turn to someone and say, will you dig again? There we go. That's all I want from you guys. Amazing, amazing. Love participation. But um, so what we see in the story is we see the story of Isaac. And he really is the, he's a patriarch of the faith. And he's a father of the faith. But he's a... He's one of those like fathers, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, and there's Jacob, but the least attention is paid to Isaac. He's basically the aquaman of the fathers of faith. Like, like people like him, but like not a lot of attention is paid to him. Um, but what we see is that Isaac, his story is amazing, and he's really known for uh, giving his, um, the inheritance to the wrong son. But what we see is that Isaac is actually a man of faith, and is a man who received the blessing of God from his father's faith as well. And we see in the story that Isaac had many cattle, had many um, flocks and herds of animals, and was actually quite a wealthy man because of his father's previous faith. And we see the story is that Isaac is envied by his enemies, by the Philistines, by the enemies in the land that God has for him. And we see Isaac, um, yeah, and the what if I was in Isaac's shoes, what I would do is I would not go to this land with Big, big enemies. Fickle, the commander of the forces, is a terrifying general. And he has armies against Isaac. But what God says is, do not go back to Egypt. Do not go down to Egypt. I have an inheritance for you. And see, Isaac has a choice here. Is that he can either believe in the promise that God has for him. Or he can look at his oppositions like the Israelites would later on. And stay where he was. See, he had the opportunity to be comfortable, but he obeyed God's promises and he broke camp and moved on. So what we see is that at this point, as Isaac could have started making practical decisions, he could started could have making sensible decisions and saying, "Okay, this is how I'm going to take the land. This is what I'm going to do." But God gives him a command to dig a well, and see, when God gives him a command to dig a well, as he had that choice there, and we are well acquainted with drought in Cape Town. Like, we are masters of drought in Cape Town. It was only like a year and a half ago where we had Jojo tanks, like, on every corner of every house. Our garage was filled with five-liter water bottles, and we moved the 10 years of junk that we had acquired in that period. But we really, we were really good at making a plan. And you could see that when the announcement was made that we're in a drought, as people immediately responded. People immediately like organized a Jojo tank from this person, organized five liter water bottles, and we made plans and we made sure that we were okay for the drought yet to come. Because in our natural selves, we're really good at making plans. See, when there's opposition, when there's contention in our lives, we're really good at making a plan, coming up with a strategy by our own strength and by our own abilities. But that's not what God calls us to. See, when he calls us to break camp, he calls us to obey his commandments and his word. And he calls us to trust in the promises that he has for us. See, when the lesson from Isaac is that when God speaks, 
He will provide. So often we doubt that. So in my own life, I doubt that. I know that God's spoken, but then I doubt that he will provide in the natural. He's called me into this inheritance. He's called me into this land, but how will he provide? There's just too many enemies. There's too much opposition. There's too many obstacles in my way. But when God speaks, he will provide. See, God warned Isaac not to go down to Egypt. And he asked Isaac to stay in a barren land. At that time where Isaac was, it was a barren land. There was no fruitfulness. There was no water. There was no abundance of life. But God asked him to stay in the barren land. See, so many times we think that God has this amazing promise for us and it must happen right then and there. But God says, no, stay in the barren land and dig a well. See, he's asking for obedience in this moment. See, when God asks us to break camp, he asks us to obey his commands. Will we be a people of faith that trust in his promises, trust in his ways, and walk into the more that he has for us? See, the thing about Isaac is that his circumstances did not change. They didn't change in the slightest. He still had enemies in the land. He still had people pursuing him, and he still had a lack of water. So in this barren land, when he digs a well, he goes back to his father's inheritance and his father's blessing. He goes back to the wells of his father, Abraham, who God actually used in the same circumstance with King Abimelech and said, I am faithful. I will be your provision. Will you dig a well? And that was to Abraham, and he dug a well, and it was fruitful, and there was flowing water. So what does Isaac do? He trusts on the promises that God gave to his father, and he digs the same well, and he finds flowing water. But then we see that there's still opposition. Even though he's heard God, even though he stepped out in faith, there's still opposition in his midst. They stop up the wells once again. Now just think about this for a second. There's a drought. We experienced this a year and a half ago. Now imagine that you have this Jojo tank filled with water. You have five liter water bottles in your garage and someone comes and steals all the water. They take out the, they take out the water from your Jojo tank and there you are left with nothing. You left with the sense of how am I going to survive? How am I going to, uh, get through this drought? And they stop up the wells. It's this crazy thing that the enemy started doing because they wanted to see the promises of God shrunken. They wanted to see, to see the promises of God so small in Isaac's life because they wanted to occupy the land that God had for him. See, often in life that the enemy will get in and it will stop up the wells of living water in our lives because the enemy wants to contend for the land that God has for us. See, we're not just going to walk into it. There's going to be a fight. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be enemies in our midst. But God says, will you trust me? Will you obey me? Because I have so much more for you. See, so we look at how God dealt with both Abraham and Isaac is that he asked for them to have faith. He asked for them to believe in the promises that he had for them. And we see that when it's God's will, God will make a way. And I want to say to you tonight, do you believe that? I don't know what you're trusting for in your life. Maybe you're trusting for breakthrough financially, or you're trusting for breakthrough in a marriage. But will you believe that if it's God's will, he will make a way? So we look at this, um, we look at this figure of Isaac, and I believe that Isaac teaches us about past wills. See, even though 
Isaac heard God and he was obedient. There was still opposition. And we see that in verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father, Abraham. Now, when I first came on to staff, as uh, this was around actually two years ago this time, and I was working at a digital marketing company, and I, wa- I, I enjoyed my do- job, and I was okay at my job, but I really had like gotten there by a fluke. I had gotten there by God's grace, and I didn't really know what I was doing all the time. And you can ask my boss, because he's in the audience, my old boss, and he'll tell you the story, but it really was by God's grace. But I felt God say to me that he had something more for me, and he wanted me in ministry. And just through that years that God moved in small ways in my life, and I had this opportunity to come into ministry, but there was still opposition. When I started coming in, I left a a job with a well-paying salary, and I actually had three other offers lined up when I was weighing all these things up. And I remember telling my testimony one night here in church because uh, God led me to do that. And then I woke up the next morning, and all three offers had just canceled out of the blue. And uh, there was opposition. And I just remember, and I had bills to pay, and I had things that I had to pay. And my, I was also so, uh, helping my parents out. And I remember just all this fear starting to rack my heart is how will I provide? How will I provide for my family? How will I pay these bills? How will I do this? And then things started racking up, and there was opposition um, from the previous company. And there were just obstacles in my way throughout that year. But I just felt God is saying, will you trust me? See, when God speaks, there will be opposition. See, when God speaks, there will be trials. When God speaks, our circumstances may not change immediately, but He is a God who is greater. He is a God who is faithful, and He is a God who brings wells of living water in barren situations. See, my situation didn't change immediately, but throughout that year, is God provided in miraculous ways. I did things that I had never done previously. I got to travel to Zimbabwe on a mission trip, not by my own financial situation, but by God's provision. And it's these moments where we say, will we trust God again? Will we trust God in breaking camp? Because He is our provision. See, the the word for well in the original Hebrew actually means living water. And so when God asks you to dig a well, is he saying, will you trust the living water that I will provide? See, Isaac received God's word, and he saw living water flow. In a barren land, where there was lack, where there was no water whatsoever, he saw water flow. What situation in your life do you need to see living water flow in? What situation in your life are you trusting for just a source, a drop of God's living water in your life? Will you trust, will you dig in faith? And will you trust Him to provide that living water? See, when there is lack, God is abundant. When there is lack, God is abundant. Just like when God provided for the Israelites in the desert, He used Abimelech and Isaac's enemies to teach Isaac about God's provision. See, he'll use the enemies in our life. He'll use the financial distress. He'll use the broken marriages. He'll use the depression and the sickness in our life to teach us about his provision. See, even in the midst of a barren land, God had a plan. He said, Isaac, my boy, just trust me. There will be enemies. There will be opposition. There will be drought. But will you trust me? Because I'll use these people, and I will show you how I am a provider. See, even in the midst of wilderness with the Israelites, God provided manna. 
and God provided quail. And the Israelites got to see God's provision. But the thing about that is, is that even though the Israelites disobeyed God, they still saw favor. See, they saw favor in the form of miracles, in the form of manna and quail. But that favor was so much smaller than the promises that he had for them and the inheritance that he had for them. So when we believe in God, is will we believe in the fullness of the promises that he has for us? Will we believe that there's not only a well for us, but there's rivers of living water in a barren land for us? But see, in order to, in order to step into those living waters is that we have to trust the past wells, but we also have to understand that there will be present enemies. See, this is what the enemy loves to do, is that when there are living waters flowing in your life, he wants to stop them up. He wants to cut it at the source, because that's when God will work in your life. And that's when people will encounter you and will encounter the king of kings. See, the enemy wants to contend for that space in your life. We see this in the story when Isaac steps out in faith and digs a well is that the enemies come and they stop it up with dirt and mud. And that's what the enemy does in our life. Insecurities start coming in. Doubt starts coming in. Did God really speak? Is this what God really said? Is this really what God has for me? But what about this God? What about that God? Or maybe we've fallen into sin and we doubt that God will ever use us again or favor us again. And the enemy starts contending for that space in our life. And he starts deceiving us and he starts accusing us. And that space becomes smaller and smaller. And that space becomes more comfortable. And that space looks like an 11-day journey that becomes 40 years in the wilderness. But what God says is, will you trust me? Will you break camp in faith and believe that I am with you and that I am God? See, who will we let win? We have that choice tonight. Is will we believe in the enemy? Will we believe in our circumstances? Or will we believe in the God of miracles who calls us into a greater story? Because there's a battle and we just have to believe who will take the space in our lives. See, if I was in Isaac's situation in that moment, I probably would have gone back to Egypt. It was really comfortable in Egypt. There was a lot of water. The, the capital was booming at that time. And Isaac probably would have been favored by God. But the thing is that that isn't what God had for him. See, when the world is inconsistent, God is constant. When the world is inconsistent, God is constant. And Isaac knew that the same God who was with his father Abraham was with him. Do we trust that God is with us? And so Isaac digs once again. In verse 19, it says, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Jerah quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Esek because they disputed with him. The word Esek literally is translated contention. See, in a barren land, God calls him to dig and he encounters contention. There will be people in our life, there will be situations in our life that contend for the space of God, that contend for the waters of God. But will we be a people who will continue to break camp and take ground for his kingdom? Because when we take that ground, when we break camp, the kingdom of God overflows in our lives, flows in the natural, and people encounter his grace and his provision and his love. See, it's not just us when we, take, uh, when we break ground. It's not just about us. It's about God's kingdom moving forward. See, when we step into those spaces, God steps into those places. 
and His grace steps into those spaces and places because His grace goes with us and His grace goes before us. See, God loves it when we pursue Him and His kingdom, both as a church and on an individual level. Because when we pursue Him, we get to know Him. And when we get to know Him, we get to know His character and His ways. And when we get to know His character and His ways, we get to know His will for us in our lives. See, because when we get to know His character, who God is for us, then we know who God is for us in every moment. Not just in the troubled times, not just in the amazing times, but in every moment. When we're at work, when we're pouring a cup of coffee, when we're serving in church, we get to know who God is for us in those moments. But the enemy will fight for that space in our lives. And then Isaac digs again. Because God says, will you dig again? And he says, will you dig again? And he digs again and he encounters this well called sitna, which means opposition. So here we have contention and we have opposition. But we know that God spoke to Isaac. So what do we do with that? Do we believe that when God speaks, it will just be plain sailing? No, we know that there will be contention and opposition, but we still believe in the promises of God. See, God says, will you dig again? Will you dig again? Will you trust me? Take ground, break camp, and will you dig again? And then the third well is called Rehoboth. And that is literally translated as room, roominess. See, from contention to opposition, God brought room. And that was out of faith and obedience because Isaac trusted in God. Isaac trusted who God was, and he brought him into a spacious place. See, there's this beautiful scripture in Psalm 18 that says this, and this is when David is on the run from his son, and he's in a cave with his mighty men, and he has every reason to not trust God in that moment. He has every reason to fear for his life, but uh, but David says this, he brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I feel like there's someone here tonight that this is for them, is that God delights in you. God delights in you tonight. See, he doesn't want you to stay in a barren land. He has so much more for you. He delights in you and he wants to bring you into a spacious place. Maybe you've been focusing on your own life. Maybe you've been walking by your own strength. But God is saying, well, you trust me once again because I have so much more for you. I have a spacious place for you because I delight in you, my son. I delight in you, my daughter. See, from past wells to present enemies, Isaac also receives a future blessing. See, it says there, From there he went up to Bathsheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. Then Isaac built an altar, and there he called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. See, Isaac continued in the faith of his father Abraham. Abraham received the promise that he would have a son. So Isaac walked in the promise of his father. So the promised son got a promised land. So, and will we walk in the promise of, us, of the son Jesus? The promises of him on the cross that we will walk in abundance, that we will walk in fullness in him, that we will walk in grace in him. So will we be promised sons and daughters walking in promised lands because of the promise of, of God? So tonight, do you believe that God is with you? 
See, it's these beautiful words, and the, it's the words that have captured me. It says, I'm the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Just take a moment. Do you believe that God is with you tonight? Do you believe that God is with you? Take that moment. And if you answer really quickly, I'm going to ask you to think again, because at least I do this in the natural, as I say, I know that God is with me, but sometimes I feel far from God. You know, I've just had a bad week. I've sinned. Or maybe I've done something that disobeys his will, and I just feel far from God. But see, the, the presence of God isn't dependent on my ability. It's dependent on my intimacy with him. And we, it's not a, a, a distance thing. It's that God is with us every moment. That when God speaks to us, when he calls us, is that he says that I am with you. See, we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry about that God will provide. We don't have to worry about the opposition or the enemies that we will face because God is with us. See, when God speaks, God is with you. So tonight, but do you believe that God is with you? Do you believe, like Isaac, that he would overcome the enemies in the land? Do you believe that, like Isaac, when he dug a well in faith, that God would fill it with flowing water? See, Isaac believed in the promises that God had for him. See, faith is the point where trust and obedience meet. I'm going to say that again. Faith is the point where trust and obedience meet. When we trust in God's ways and we are obedient to his will, we start walking in faith. Because we know who God is for us and we know who God is in the natural and in the supernatural. So then Isaac encounters Abimelech once again, and it's this beautiful moment. Because Abimelech, a pagan king, a king who doesn't believe in the same God Isaac does, a king who has taken that land many times, who encountered Abraham as well, says, we clearly see that God is with you. We clearly see that God is with you. Now remember, Abimelech had, um, a, com- he was, had a commander of an army. He had tons and tons of people who could easily snuff Isaac out. He could easily occupy that land. But Abimelech realized that there was something special about Isaac. He realized that God was with him, that a God who moved, that a God who created the heavens and the earth was with Isaac, and that he was his provision, that he was his abundance, and that he was his power and strength. So when you say, I believe that God is with me, do you believe that people will see that God in your life? Do you believe that when we break camp as a church, when we break camp in our everyday lives, that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac is with you tonight, is in your life tonight, will restore your life tonight, will bring flowing water, living water in your life tonight? See, when we walk out in faith, when we step out in faith, it's not just by our own ability or trusting Uh, the resources of God in the past is believing that God is with us every step of the way. That when we walk, that he will make the way and he will build the path. That he will um, bring wells in a barren land. That he will bring flowing water in a barren land. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. And we don't have to doubt the promises of God. See, I feel like there's certain things that God has spoken to individuals in this room that maybe we haven't stepped into. I know there's been many times in my life through fear, through depression, through anxiety that I haven't stepped into the more that God's got for me because I started looking at my circumstances and they became greater than the God who was with me. See, will we be a people who continually step out in faith? And I believe that our belief in God 
has to impact our faith in God. Our belief in this God who is powerful, who brings flowing water in a barren land, has to impact our faith, guys. Because if we can't walk this out, if we can't do this in the natural, do we believe in a God who is supernatural? Because God is a God of flowing waters in the barren land. I keep on repeating that because I want us to realize that as a community, is that when we experience drought in South Africa, we prayed as a church. And we trusted that God will provide. And he has. He has provided. But will we trust that he will do that again and with us in our lives? Will we believe that God will bring flowing waters in our lives once again? There's people in this room who maybe don't know Jesus tonight. Will you trust that even in your situation, no matter what it is, that this person, Jesus, can restore it and bring living water? And maybe there's people who have been Christians for, have been a Christian for many years. Will you trust God to do it again in your life? Will you trust God to use you again for his purposes and for his glory? Because he is calling us to take land. He is calling us to break camp. And he is calling us to put a stake in the ground for his kingdom, for his glory.